We're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each week's film is connected to the last by a single cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's film is... Coco. How's it going, George? I'm good, Dan. I'm good. How are you doing, mate? You good? Excellent. Thank you, mate. Not uh, A little bit better than you. We've, we've just been talking about how cold you've been out in the elements. Oh, mate, it has been freezing today. And I'm sure anyone listening will, um, you know, will know that early Feb in the UK has been freezing. And actually, we haven't really had much snow around our way compared to some of the country, have we? Some of it's been covered. No, that's right. Um, it feels bad. You're out there doing proper work. And I'm, I'm indoors, <laughs> sat in like a studio editing. Um, but it ha- oh. it's even been cold here, I was saying to you. It's even been cold here. So heaven knows what it's like out in the elements, mate. Oh, it, it is cold. You do get used to it. You warm up, you know, after sort of once your blood starts pumping. But today I was wearing two pairs of gloves and plenty of layers. And even that wasn't, you know, quite enough. But it's all good. But the best thing is that I've got to come home, warm shower, get my pyjamas on, and then I get to sit down with you, have a big old chat about movies. And, you know, what a great film to like warm us all up, mate. Exactly. A heartwarming family movie to make you feel better. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So other than freezing your tits off, mate, have uh, you seen anything decent this week? Um, yeah, I have. So this week, uh, everything I watched actually followed a bit of a theme, and it wasn't deliberate. But basically, this week, um, all the a lot of the things I've been watching have been um, French and subtitled. And there's no real reason, basically, for that. Um, I'll explain. So the first thing that I watched this week that was French um, was a show called um, Call My Agent. Have you heard of Call My Agent? Yeah, but I, uh, I don't know anything about it. Cool. Well, the reason I knew about it is because basically it seems like it was getting quite a lot of buzz recently. So the fourth series of it just came on Netflix, and that's the last series. And it was getting like five-star reviews everywhere I was looking. And um, Shah came home one night and said, oh, I've heard this show called Call My Agent. We should start watching it. So anyway, we started from series one, and we've watched the first few episodes. And it's a little bit like The Office. Um, it's filmed in such a way that it's, um, it's almost like a fly-on-the-wall uh, documentary. And it's a comedy. And it takes place in a French um, talent agency where there's lots of agents and they look after big film stars. And it's all about the sort of comings and goings of their office and, you know, the, the mishaps and the misunderstandings and et cetera, et cetera. And it's really, really good to watch. Um, it's interesting because it's set in Paris and so there's lots of great architecture and everyone looks like mega fashionable. And so far, it's, it's, it's really funny. So that's the first thing I'd recommend people watch. Sounds great. Something- good question, mate. Like, obviously, it's a comedy, right? Mm. does does the humor translate very quite well even though it's in subtitles for you or yeah i did think that i thought how is this going to work me laughing at subtitles it's very funny yeah it does work (laughs) yeah good it's good to hear it does work so yeah it's it's a bit of a new one you know on me i'm not used to watching a comedy um you know in subtitles but so far so good um i like it and it's different and so yeah it's, it's well worth a watch so that's the first french thing i've been watching and then the second French thing I watched this week, again, completely by sort of ra- uh, by accident, um, is a film uh, that came out a couple of years back. I remember we saw the trailer for it in the cinema, Les Miserables. Do you remember the trailer? That's right. Yeah, I remember spotting it when we were going to watch, I believe we were going, no, I can't remember what we were going to watch, but we were going to watch something. I was going to say fair play if you can remember the film <laughs> or, you know, from what trailer it I was. I think it, but, for some reason, I, th- I thought it was um, a Marvel film, but I don't know. Ah, it could be. I remember we saw Captain Marvel. Yeah, um, it might have been that. Uh, 
of some voice. So it could have been that. Um, what I, how I'd explain this movie is it's like the French version of Kid Oldwood. Um, it's set in a in a rundown Paris suburb, and you get to see life. Um, you know, in this in this suburb, and there's lots of cultures, and there's lots of like tension, and lots of you know fights and animosity, etc. And the story follows these police officers who are very corrupt in this area, and um, they basically run the area. And what happens is they at the start of the film they stop a massive gang war between gypsies and uh, like the local residents, yeah. and it turns out that Romany gypsies basically they run a circus, and. Um, they say that one of the local residents has actually nicked a uh, a lion cub uh, for the, from their circus, and so that's where the film sort of starts, and it sort of spirals from there. And um, it's quite a gritty, um, you know, hard hitting movie, but really, really good. Uh, really interesting to see what you know life is like in these rundown Paris suburbs. And so that's the second thing I think is a you know a good watch, and that is on Netflix. Well, aren't you cultured, mate? Just uh, lapping up the European cinema. I know, I know. I, I like to say, what's happened to me? And then the third thing, again, completely by accident almost. Well, I was going through the movie poster on Saturday and I've got about 12 films left now. And um, one of the 12 was a movie called Untouchable, which is a 2011 movie. So I looked it up and it's a French movie. So I thought, <laughs> oh, another French thing. Would, would you believe it? Ooh la la. But... Um, it turns out that Untouchable is a film which was remade a few years ago with Brian Craston and Kevin Hart, and it was called The Upside. Do you remember that one? I do, yeah. Yeah. Did you see The Upside? No. Oh, it, well, me and Charlotte this year, and we both loved it. It's very, very heartwarming. Um, anyway, so I, I thought it'd be really interesting because uh, to watch the French version, the original version, off the movie poster to tick it off. So that's what I did. I sat and watched that, and it was really good actually to see the differences between you know the American remake and the original French version. And um, it, like, if anyone's like you know thinking of whether to watch either The Upside or Untouchable, they are amazing. Both of them are brilliant. I think I slightly prefer the French one because. As always, the original is usually better, and I think some of the story beats that uh, they do in the, in the first one is a bit better. But overall, both amazing films. And um, yeah, that's my third French movie, mate, Untouchable, which is available on Amazon Prime. How fluent are you now, then? Oh, we oui, we. Oui. I mean, I mean that means <laughs> yes. I mean, I, as you can tell, not at all. But um, yeah, it's funny with subtitles um i think a lot of people you know as soon as you say the word would be put off but i actually don't mind it at all because it makes you more invested in what you're watching mm. and after five minutes you do forget you're reading subtitles and you're you're completely hooked so don't I, i'm just i would say to people don't let anyone you know don't be put off at all by anything in subtitles because you will get into it and it is good i've i've got a uh, a confession to make i actually watch a lot of films with subtitles on them even when they're english so i don't miss anything yeah, good shout because it, it, a lot of dialogue sometimes can be can be you know difficult to hear and you, you know you might like you say you might miss something or a subtle you know line or yeah. whatever. So fair play, man. Well, it, it um, start it started off when I was a dad of a very young boy and um, any noise woke him up, so you had to have it very quiet so you could hear if he was kicking off in the other room. Um, and but I can't bloody hear it, so I'm going to have to put subtitles on, and uh, that's it became a habit from then. Now it feels weird not watching a film without with, with subtitles. Ah, I got you. So you got into that habit. Yeah. And um, yeah, not a bad habit to get into at all. So that's me, mate. I've had a proper French week and um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. But what about you, mate? What have you been watching this week? Anything good? Well, I take your French and I raise you a tie. 
A tie. <laughs> a tie. Yeah, I watched a tie film this week. What was it? What was the tie uh, film? It's it's called The Pool, and I believe I sent you a few photos as I was watching this, saying I'm watching the most ridiculous film in the world, and this was that. So this is the film where there was a picture of an alligator with duct tape in his mouth. Yeah, well, crocodile, but <laughs> close enough. Uh, <laughs> so basically, yeah, this is a 2018 uh, Thai film. It's like a survival thriller. Uh, think of those films where people are stranded trying to get back on their boat and there's sharks around them and stuff like this. But the conceit of this one is there's a young guy and he falls asleep on a lilo and then the water drains out of the pool and the pool is six meters deep so he can't get back out again. Oh, and a crocodile falls in while he's in there as well because his dog chases it. (laughs) Oh, no. So he's stuck in this pool. Yeah. No water. He's basically got walls at all sides and he's stuck. Yeah. And I found this. I was just on a kind of scrolling through. You know, you get in one of those spirals where you just can't choose what to watch. I just wanted to watch a very particular type of film where I don't have to concentrate that much. It's ridiculous. I want to laugh, uh, but I want a bit of horror in there as well. And this really hit the spot. It was so much fun. It's it's one of those films. Uh, it's, it's proper, like, Murphy's Law stuff where anything that can go wrong will go wrong, even if it's really, really unlikely. Like, some of the things that happen are quite, like, final destination things that would this guy just has to die oh mate how many people are in it because like so it's just one guy there's so i don't want to spoil too much so if you're if you're planning on you can't there's not much spoiling to do actually but basically he's in there and then he's he's really struggling he's diabetic as well so there's there's that ticking away and he really needs to get out there to get some insulin um obviously there's a crocodile in there um he falls asleep at some point and then his girlfriend turns up not realizing because the water's going down slowly. So he's about like two meters, but he can't get up the four meters. And then his, um, his girlfriend turns up to surprise him and goes to dive in. And, uh, he spots her just as she's about to dive. <laughs> says, no, 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 I can't get out. And then, and then she kind of stutters her dive, but then slips, falls back and hits her head. And then she's like not unconscious for hours while, while in the pool. And, Oh, so there ends up being two of them in there. Turns out she's pregnant. Um, his, again, spoilers, but the way he gets out of the pool in the end is just fucking hilarious. So his dog comes running back. He's still got the the lead around his neck. He goes to jump in the in into the empty pool at this point to go and see his owner, but his lead gets caught and he ends up hanging himself. But hangs himself. But he's hanging so low that he can his owner can use his dead body to climb out of the, out of the pool. <laughs> oh mate it's so much fun like there's some bad cgi crocodile stuff in there there's some really like tense moments like but it's just it's like watching something like saw where it's just painful to watch but so much fun i really recommend watching it uh so that's called the pool from 2018 and was was that your first foray into cinema no i think i've seen some thai films before um certainly seen some malaysian cinema uh yeah i'm sure i've seen some thai films before um but another film i i take your french and my thai and i raise you a greenland (laughs) greenland (laughs) yeah so this isn't a film from greenland uh the film is actually called greenland have you heard of it yeah funny enough um um, my mate got in the van this morning uh for work 
And I said, what did you watch last night? Because that's the normal question now. You can't ask, what did you do last night? Yeah. That's the most ridiculous question in history. So everyone says now, what did you watch last night? And anyway, I said, what did you watch last night? And he said, Greenland. He said it had Gerard Butler in. Yeah. And he said it was something to do with um, a bunker that you need to get to in Greenland to, uh, you know, survive the apocalypse. And that's sort of all I know. Is that sort of the right, you know. Yeah. Did he like it? Yeah, he liked it. He enjoyed yeah. it. And his missus liked it too. I think she likes Gerard Butler. So, you know, mm. everyone was happy. <laughs> well, I have to say, it's it surprised me. It's a very good Gerard Butler movie. And bearing in mind, the last film of his I really liked was probably like Law Abiding Citizen back in 2009. So it's been a very long time since I've seen a Gerard Butler film that I liked. And I, I really, really like this. It's Wow. It's a disaster movie. Um but it, it plays on the suspense rather than the action and the CGI and things like that. So basically there's some comets heading to Earth uh, f- and it's going to be, they, they work out that actually it's going to be an extinction level impact. So basically the whole world's going to get obliterated and, you know, a vast majority of life on Earth will perish. Um, but in this, as with all great disaster movies, that this comets aren't the scary thing. It seems that the the human reactions to the news are more scary. So humans going against humans, uh, you know, creating volatile situations and things like that. This is the tensest films I've I've seen since probably uh, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Did you see that? Oh, mate, that was tense. Like that was stressful. Yeah, I was sweating. I think we, was going. we spoke about that early doors in this podcast, didn't we? And you said you hadn't seen it yet. We did indeed, um, and I, I know we had an email in from um, somebody who said, "Oh, Uncut Gems is you know it is an Adam Sandler film. We sort of must try." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was Ted. But this was on the same sort of level. It was really hard. Oh, yeah. mate, yeah, some of it. It's just ratcheting up the tension. It's such a well-made film, and I just wasn't expecting it. You hear like because you've seen him in other films uh, with you know apocalyptic consequences, and they're just not great. And it's good to see Gerard Butler, Gerard Butler back doing something good. Um, I, I reckon this is going to bring on like a butler essence, you know, like we had a reconnaissance <laughs> and stuff like that. I think Butler's <laughs> coming back. Um, it's it's like uh, Deep Impact, but you know, you've seen the film Deep Impacts? I've seen Deep Impact, yeah. Was my favourite president, which we also discussed on this uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah. So it's very much like that, but it's like, it's it's deeper, more serious, uh, it's deeper. It's 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 like deep impact two, even deeper impact. <laughs> That's what it's <laughs> you like. You know, this this is a really bad thing to say, but unless unless you had said how good it was, you know, and my friend had said how good it was, um, I, I would not have watched it. And I'll tell you the one reason because it has Gerard Butler in. Mm. I would have looked at it and gone. That would be for me, and that's bad, isn't it? Because I, I don't mind Gerald Butler. He's just made some interesting—I I say interesting—he's made some bad choices uh, over the last yeah. decade, and he's he's lost a lot of his a lot of his star power because of it. Because he's been in these kind of B movies. He's in all—he's in all those like Olympus has fallen. Yeah, again, they, I've seen they all of those, off. and I don't hate those ones, but they're not good. Um, the film I'm thinking of that he's in recently, which was absolutely terrible, and is kind of comparable to this is geostorm did you see that no again no. i heard of it and just thought i'll never watch that that's when like a, like satellites are designed to control gl- climate change and they all go wrong and he's the one who designed the satellites and that's what i was afraid this greenland was going to be like uh, but it just it surprised me and like there's nothing better than when a film surprises you in a good way 
Absolutely. Um, question on um, Greenland: Is it like a straight? To, well, I guess it has to be. But is it on a streaming service then, like just out? Is it, it is indeed you know? straight to Amazon Prime. Uh, so oh. if you've got Amazon Prime, get out there and watch it. Uh, I very much recommend it if you want a nice tense date night. Uh, the other half liked it as well, uh, which is good news. <laughs> do you um do you think this would have been in the cinema? Is it that sort of? Is it got the cinema uh, yeah. quality? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Look, look, it's it's a budget film to, for you know compared to what you know butler's done in the past it's it's quite a budget film uh some of the cgi isn't the best but that's not what's good about the film it's it's the situations that it creates and puts this this desperate family in um that makes you yeah it just it, it just tugs on your heartstrings it's and you just don't know where it's going to go and like you say it's basically they're they're trying to avoid uh extinction and they're trying to reach this place in greenland uh, which is their last opportunity of solace and it's not guaranteed whether they get there or not no spoilers here just watch it and see what happens excellent well it sounds like we've had a proper eclectic week if you put all our films together we've got <laughs> french films thai films we've got you know the return of gerard butler like who could have predicted all this <laughs> this is the podcast you come to for eclectic and cultured movies absolutely like we could just sit here and just watch the run of the mill stuff you know like really predictable but you people are never going to guess what we're going to say we've watched this week i can guarantee <laughs> <That's it. laughs> let's see if we can outdo ourselves next week as well and watch the most random films yeah, just go absolutely mental yeah <laughs> i'm going to take bollywood mate i'm going to go for a bollywood session <laughs> great shout well i've got a couple of bollywoods to knock off my list so um yeah i might i might, might aim down that road as well and me, mate. I've got that same poster. So, yeah, we um, we do need to watch them at some point. <laughs> well, well, before we go any further, mate, I think it might be worth mentioning that we've got a new website. Yes, we do. Um, So, basically, Dan, the other day, um, he's been working hard sort of in the background. And Dan texted me the other day go, and said, what do you think of this, mate? And he sent me the link. And this was before sort of it was like live, wasn't it? But it had the, the layout and I clicked on it. And I'll tell you what, you did a cracking job, mate. It looks amazing. So the website is infinitefilmclub.com and uh, it's got all of our episodes hosted on there. So if you want to go back and listen, you can also kind of scroll back all of the films that we've uh, we've talked about so far. It's also got a bit of an about section to say how we got up with it and the rules of the Infinite uh, Film Club. Uh, but also uh, you can contact us. So if you've got any uh, questions or uh, suggestions, or you want to do your own reviews you can do it there and it comes directly to us and uh, we will shout you out on the podcast yeah absolutely but i gotta say again you did a really good job of it mate i mean it looks amazing and obviously this is what you do sort of for a living you know you do this sort of thing but you're very talented at it um i wouldn't know where to start making something like that so really well done thank you mate i really enjoy it so go check us out mate go check us out everyone uh so i didn't waste my time Boom. so mate have you got anything else to talk about before we move on Nah, I think um, we can get into the uh, the film of this week, which is um, Coco. <gasps> oh, it's you. You're going to get me in trouble, Dante. Someone could hear me. I wish someone wanted to hear me. Other than you. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to love music. No music. No music. <laughs> but my great-grandma Coco's father was the greatest musician of all time. Papa. Ernesto de la Cruz. One day, he left with his guitar and never returned. No, my family thinks music is a curse. Great-great-grandfather, none of them understand me. I 
I'm supposed to play music. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. <gasps> What's going on? I'm just dreaming. Do you mind? <gasps> Welcome to the land of the dead. Dr. Cleo, you gotta stay with me, boy. This isn't a dream, then. You're all really out there. Agents at the Department of Family Reunions are available to assist you. Please be on the lookout for a living boy. Miguel, you're here. We're your family, mijo. I know your great-great-grandpa. I'll get you to him. What are you doing? I'm walking like a skeleton. No, skeletons don't walk like that. It's how you walk. No, I don't. When there's no one left in the living world who remembers you, you disappear from this world. But you can change that. We gotta find my great-great-grandpa. You gotta do it by sunrise. What happens at sunrise? You'll be stuck here forever. What? Ugh. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Never forget how much your family loves you. It's almost sunrise. One cannot deny who one is meant to be. That's you! I am terribly allergic. But Dante doesn't have any hair. And I don't have a nose. And yet, here we are. So, mate, before we uh, chat about the film itself, uh, what's your history with Coco? Um, basically, Coco is a film I saw once before uh, watching it again for the podcast. Um, I saw it in the cinema, and uh, like I pretty much see every single Pixar film in the cinema because I generally get you know quite excited to see each one because you know most of them um, you know deliver you know really really well. Um, the only one I actually at all is uh, is it. The little dinosaur or the good dinosaur? Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. For some reason, completely bypassed that. But anyway, Coco was one I saw in the cinema because I, I do like Pixar films generally, and um, that's the only time I saw it. I saw it about when did this come out? Twenty seventeen, so probably you know about three years. And it turns out that this Christmas on like BBC One, Coco is on, and I caught ten minutes of it, the very start actually, and I had to rush off because I was going to go to Shah's parents' house, but. I, I was sort of getting sucked in. I wanted to watch more. So when it came up on the podcast, I was thinking, oh, yes, great opportunity to watch Coco again. Um, what about you, mate? Uh, what's your history with Coco? Well, rather than wasting everyone's time, just copy and paste your answer because it's near enough exactly the same, Inclu <laughs> including it. the catching a bit of it at Christmas but not watching the whole thing. Mm. And was it sucking you in then? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so um, I won't spoil what I feel about this film. Uh, but uh, my boy's a big fan. He's he's seen it a few times apparently with with the other half. Um, so um, yeah, he's he's he hasn't watched it for a while. So he liked it when he was a bit younger. So uh, I revisited it with him this time round. We should get him on. He seems like the resident expert on Coco and all things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day we'll, we'll get him on to do a review. Uh, maybe you you never know. That'd be amazing. I'd love that. <laughs> so, mate, do you want to give us uh, one of uh, George's uh, famous synopsis? Yeah, love to, mate. So, um, Coco is a movie um, about a little boy who's growing up in a Mexican village, and all he wants to do is play music, his guitar, and sing. But his family are mega against music, and that's because you find out early on that um, uh, a, a singer, a guitarist, basically uh, left their family and you know, left his great-great-grandma to raise the whole family alone. Um, anyway, um, this little boy um, 
basically goes into um, the land of the dead. Um, he goes there and he's trying to get back from the land of the dead. And to do that, he needs to find his, uh, a member of his family to give him a blessing. Um, and it all sort of kicks off from there. And it's very bright and colourful. And, you know, it's got many twists and turns. And yeah, right. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Well, here's uh, the first one I found on Google. Despite his family's generations-old ban on music, young Miguel dreams of becoming an accomplished musician like his idol, Ernesto de la Cruz. Desperate to prove his talent, Miguel finds himself in the stunning and colourful land of the dead. After meeting a charming trickster named Hector, the two new friends embark on an extraordinary journey to unlock the real story behind Miguel's family history. There we go. I think that summed it up pretty well, mate. Summed it up pretty well indeed. Yeah, so... First things first, the start of this film, there's, um, as you expect with a Disney film, you get the Disney opening scene with the kind of uh, Wish Upon a Star music, but it's done in a, a Mexican vein, isn't it? It is. And I'll tell you what, I absolutely loved it. Like the, the way it's so funky and it just it, it just goes so well. So I love that. They, they you know, put a twist on the classic um, Disney tune and yeah. it got me right in the Mexican mood straight away. <laughs> well, the reason I mentioned that straight away is because it also happened in Soul. Uh, it happens in many films, but it also happened in Soul, which I think was really funny the way they did it. it like um, you've seen Soul, haven't you? I have seen Soul, although I don't remember what they did with the Disney theme. Oh, they did it in like a um, a bad school band way. So you, obviously he was a music teacher and it was obviously yeah. the kids doing it. So it was all a bit uh, all over the place, and, which I, was the first thing that made me laugh about Soul, which was good. Um, but the reason I mentioned that is because I think there's a lot of the same ideas floating around this and soul they're kind of very they're like brother and sister when it comes to to uh, to pixar films yeah I, I completely agree with that um they they tackle sort of subjects that are like really like deep and like philosophical and you know what might happen after you know you die and, and before on and you're, exactly yeah so you're absolutely right like these two are like almost companion pieces about mm. you know different theories and, and what might happen you know in the afterlife or before so yeah. yeah interesting so then we get straight into the uh kind of backstory um and that's kind of told in lace on on washing lines which again i think is a really creative way of doing it yeah it it just adds like the the whole mexican flavor to this because you get the impression it's like a, a sort of a mexican tradition it's, it looks like the sort of thing you'd hang at a party it's really colorful and it's it, yeah it just basically told the story in a nice neat way and it basically explains the story of why Miguel, um, well, Miguel's family don't like music, doesn't mm. it? So yeah, basically his his and you know, his great great grandfather uh, left his family with his guitar and never returned. So he went off to play music to the world. Um, but then his his great great grandma was was left alone. So his then great grandma banished all music in her life. Um, I kind of I'm get confused among the great great grandmas and the great grandmas and the grandmas. Um, but basically, music tore her family apart, um, and then that's basically why music is banned in Miguel's family. Yeah, um, and also um, the, this montage sort of, of of what happened before explains how they're they're all cobblers now, aren't they? They all make shoes. Um, and that's the family business, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. So instead of making music, uh, they're making shoes. Um, but the 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 last person the oldest the matriarch of of the family is is coco uh mama coco who which is obviously the the name of the film coco and that comes from her yeah um one note on her so 
the way she's animated is amazing. She looks so damn old, doesn't she? Mate, on, on one of my in my summary that I've written for later, that's one of the things I call out. She is just like beautifully animated it's, it's just certain very t- minuscule little details that they do that just remind you of old faces you've seen before yeah and when you see her face up against miguel's face mm. miguel looks like a sort of run-of-the-mill cartoon character animated character mm. she looks well interesting like yeah. the way they've done it and and um yeah she just looks amazing you can always feel her her, her, her wrinkled skin it's so uh, the texture's just there, isn't it? It's amazing. It yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so we kind of meet Miguel at this point, um, and he discusses that his family is the only family in Mexico that hates music, um, but he's running through the streets, making and enjoying music himself. Um, then he says it's all Ernesto de la Cruz's fault that he loves music, um, and uh, he's the greatest musician of all time. Yeah, and. He's actually got a statue in the town, hasn't he? He's like a sort of massive local legend. Yeah, he was a movie star, had the coolest guitar, he could fly and wrote the best songs. Um, And he says at that point that his all-time favourite is Remember Me. (laughs) Which we hear over and over and over again. (laughs) It's a tune though, isn't it? Yeah, I really, really like it. Um, it is a good tune. It, it does stick with you. And it's probably the, the thing I remember most from this, watching it three years ago in the cinema. Like, I could still hum that tune even before I watched this again mm. for the podcast. So it really stuck with me now. And it's right. clever because it, it, it speaks to the theme of the film about how memories keep people alive, remember me, and and they still live in the afterlife. Um, so it all, all connects, which is typically Pixar absolutely and i believe it won an oscar for best you know, original uh song that year so it is. and then uh we find out that ernesto lived the life uh no, he says uh ernesto lived the life you'd dream about until in 1942 he was crushed by a giant bell yeah what a way to go out so it's like a huge concert and there's like you know a thousand steps up into the sky isn't there and everyone's watching him and that and um yeah, he comes out, does his guitar bit, and then bang, a bell falls on him, and that's him. <laughs> uh, and yeah, which is, which uh, is called back to later, isn't it? Um, uh, but then uh, it's, uh, Miguel basically says he wants to be him. Uh, he he gets this feeling like we're connected somehow. Like if we could play music, maybe someday I could too. If it wasn't for my family, so we we learn that he wants to play music. It's his passion, and his kind of inspiration is this Dela Cruz character. Absolutely. And we get um, a, a scene now where uh, he's shining um, the shoes of a, of a local uh, musician, isn't it? Yeah. And he, basically uh, the musician says, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what your family think. You should play, play music, you know. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's what you want to do. And um, he basically picks up a guitar and he's about to sort of play a few chords, isn't he? And then his, his grandmother catches him, um, you know, with the guitar and she kicks right off. Yeah, and this this is shows you how passionate they are about keeping music out of the family and how much of it's a, a waste of time. But as Dela Cruz always says, seize your moment. Um, but Abuelita, her name is, is it? Abuelita? Um, oh, the grandma. Yeah, and she starts beating him with her shoe, um, which is ironic cons- considering they're like shoemakers. Um, so she's <laughs> literally beating them with the, the thing they want him to, to create. <laughs> Yeah, also, there's a couple of moments in this film where there's a shoe beating. Like, like yeah. That's their weapon of choice, big time. So they make them and they hit you over the head of them. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go back to the shoe shop. Uh, Miguel's getting chastised by the family. Um, but 
he's we find out that he wants to go to a talent contest um uh, which is uh on the, the dia de los muertos which is the day of the dead um and it's the one night of the year their ancestors can visit uh according to these this photo kind of uh the, the grandma's explaining isn't it this shrine that they have which i've seen um in actual documentaries and things before the mexicans actually do in their in their windows and things leading up to dia de muertos um this is a, a like a, a tradition that I didn't know too much about, to be honest. So this film, I do find it quite educational and and, and, and authentic. And I gotta say, I really like the like, idea of the festival. I think it's such a great idea, like having pictures and things that remind you of people that have passed. Because yeah. in our culture, maybe we don't remember people that have passed enough. And it seems like in Mexico, it's a massive part. You know, mm. when people die, that's not the end. They're going to keep them in their thoughts, and so. The, the whole concept of this film and the whole tradition i really like that exactly and that's what this this film i think is a great message about as long as people remember them they're not they're not gone they're still there um and that sadness that's twinged with when those people start to disappear because the last person on earth that remembers them is is no longer remembering them is um yeah it's really deep i think and again it is pixar are so brave at doing these things in in basically kids animation films yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, I went to see this, you know, as a, as a full blown adult, and it was it was teaching me things. And a film like this can make the horrible subject of death seem that tiny bit more bearable because mm. you know what I mean. It, it makes it act like it's not so much the end that they have passed somewhere else, and that there mm. is a way to keep them coming back every year. So I, yeah, I loved it, like That's that it. aspect of it. And effectively, what we learn at this point is um, at Dia, La Dia de los Muertos, uh, if someone's photo isn't up on the shrine, they can't cross over. Um, so that's why these Mexican families do it. They keep fo photos of their ancestors up going way back um, so that those people can visit from the other side on on that specific day of the year. If they don't put it up, they can't come. Um Mama Coco at this point is kind of sitting in the in the place where the shrine is. They call the shrines the ofrenda, don't they? Well, I've got to say your pronunciation is very good. <laughs> Thank you. A level, A level Spanish. <laughs> um, I can tell. Like honestly, I would butcher these words. I'm not very good at that sort of stuff. <laughs> but Mama Coco is old and she's struggling to remember things at this point. So we we know that she's kind of struggling uh, with some memory issues. So possibly dementia or something. Yeah, and like they—they they, that's it. They sort of explain it in sort of quite a nice way. They don't go into too much detail, but it's obvious to an adult that this lady has got like you know dementia. And uh, I mean, the great thing is though, she's sitting there, she's looking happy as anything. Like she's, do you know what I mean? She's got a, a small smile on her face, and she, Mama Coco, so yeah. she's all good. Toothless smile, those like indented wrinkles. Like she, I, I can't get over how great she looks in this. It's amazing. Yeah, she's had a proper life, that lady. She's she's cool. And this is where we actually get to see um a picture of um of Mama Coco, um her mother, um, and also um a, a gentleman, but with his head ripped off, as in the picture, mm. uh his head's been ripped off. And that's obviously quite a key thing we're seeing there, isn't it? It is, yeah. This photo is obviously uh, the significant linchpin in in keeping this story moving because of misinterpretations of that photo, et cetera, et cetera. But um, we, we will get to those parts shortly. Um, but yeah, that kind of sets the scene for us and um, Miguel kind of takes that photo. Um, but then we, first of all, we cut to a dopey dog climbing a shack <laughs> uh, to the attic where Miguel is fixing up a, a guitar in secret. Yeah, um, a little note on him. So that dog, Dante, I believe his name is. Mm. Um, do you know he he well reminded me of one of the hyenas in the Lion King. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the hyena who doesn't really speak much. I think it's Spike, who's yeah. like proper dopey. He's well like that. <laughs> yeah, 
and then he gets his own powers later which i love and he starts growing wings and things so he's, good he's awesome um so we see that um miguel has a shrine to ernesto de la cruz and uh he watches an ernesto film and and plays along with the songs um and uh yeah i, I just found it so fascinating how accurate uh, the the finger placements were on the guitar. You could tell they they are the right placements, and they've they've consulted experts and things like that. You could tell that it, it looks like those hands are playing the guitar. Mm, very authentic. Then mm. it's not just strumming anything random, you know. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and this is bear basically decides to play the competition um, against his his family's wishes. Yeah. It? Well, in fact, he says, "I'm going to play at the Mariachi Plaza if it kills me." And in the words of the Joker, that's a very poor choice of words. Absolutely, because you know, <laughs> in, in sort of twenty minutes, uh, he might live to regret that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it will kill him. <laughs> <laughs> In a way. Well, maybe I shouldn't say live to regret it. Yeah, no, exactly. He'll die. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's the next day and Miguel is uh, sneaking out, uh, gets seen and told um, he's he's now being allowed to work in the workshop. They're all excited. You know, he's a grown-up. You can now come in and help us make shoes. Um, he's a shoemaker through and through. Uh, but obviously, he's not keen. Uh, but his family want to basically celebrate this day. Yeah, and and one of them says actually, you know, today is all about family. It's it's the most important thing, um, you know, which is a great message. Um, but basically, you know, the 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 chances of him going to this competition, you know, look slim. And you know, if he goes to this competition, he's gonna be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and of course he will. Um, then Dante <laughs> uh, clumsily knocks over part of the family offender, and uh, the photograph of his great great grandmother, which you uh, spoke about earlier, and her estranged husband with with no head. Um, uh, falls down, doesn't it? It does indeed. And this is where Miguel um, sees the, the the guitar, doesn't he? Um, uh, that the guy's holding, mm. and it's actually um, uh, Dela Cruz's guitar. Which obviously Miguel sort of puts two and two together and thinks, "Oh my god! Like my great great granddad is this? You know, my mm. absolute idol." Yeah, that's right. And and at this point, Mama Coco sees the guitar on the picture and says, "Papa, papa." Yeah, so it's 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 like it's going deep into her mind, and she's remem- remembering things from you know all those years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's it's quite sad, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, but obviously, this excites Miguel, and he he then starts shouting from the rooftops to his family that they are related to Ernesto de la Cruz, and uh, that means he can follow his passion because it's in the family. Uh, but yeah. they're not so sure. No, that's it. Um, they find out about the, this music stash, don't they, upstairs? Mm-hmm. And um, the, the grandma sort of smashes his guitar. And it's like quite brutal, really. I mean, you know, to do that to like, a, I don't know, he's, how old is he? 10 years old? Yeah. Um, it, you know, 10, 12. Like, it's pretty brutal. Like, her views on music are like, you know, well renegade. She literally hates it. Like, I, I did write a note. His actual parents don't seem that bothered about it. Like, it's more her. She's yeah. well, like, militant about it. She's very militant. She says that man's music was a curse. He says um, he's not bothered about being on a stupid offrenda, which I, I take as a, a massive insult because they all start gasping, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, like you say, smashing up the, the guitar totally brutally. And then uh, Miguel runs off saying he doesn't want to be part of this family anymore. Yeah. And this is where he basically goes around the corner to the, the square where they're having this music competition and um, he goes around to some different people to borrow a guitar, doesn't he? And he doesn't sort of get a lot of luck at first. That's right. No one will lend him one. He then goes to uh, the best gravesite I've ever seen, like bustling party gravesite, uh, which 
I'd, I'd really like to see one day. Um, and he breaks into uh, Dela Cruz's like mausoleum thing, doesn't he? He does. He does. And uh, like you said about the colour, this place is just so bright, covered in petals. And it makes our like graveyards and churchyards and things look so drab and boring and depressing. It, yeah, it really death, highlights the difference to, um, between our attitudes to death and theirs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we can learn a lot from the Mexican culture in that regard. Um, definitely. They've got such a, you know, a, a, I think a better um, way of looking at it. And um, basically, this is where Miguel goes to this graveyard and there's a mausoleum, isn't there, of, um, of De La Cruz. And inside is his um, his white his guitar, that classic one that was on the picture and that. And he basically has the idea to take that guitar, well, not steal it, but just to borrow it, because it was his great granddad, and take it to the music competition and hopefully, you know, win the thing. That's it. But when he touches the guitar, um, the, the leaves behind him in the mausoleum start to shimmer, don't they? Mm, it's quite magical, isn't it? It's quite Harry Potter. Like, ooh, what's yeah, what's going on? Um, and uh, he then strums it and the leaves dance in the air kind of thing, don't they? They all whoosh in the air and shimmer some more. Yeah, you know something's going on. Uh, but then security come in because someone dobs him in and says, there's someone stealing the guitar. Um, Miguel yeah. tries to explain, but the security guard doesn't see him, ignores him and walks straight through him a la ghost. Yeah, so basically, we, we know Miguel now. It can't be seen. You know, is he invisible? What's going on? Um, and he actually falls into a grave at this point, doesn't he? Yeah, he, and, he runs and sees his parents calling out to him, trying to embrace them and just fall straight into a grave. Yeah, and then um, lo and behold, he looks up and the person who's saving him is actually a skeleton. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So a uh, nice uh, horror-inflected uh, reveal, which her hat kind of tilts up and you see she's got a skull for her face and he screams and then kind of proceeds to bump into more skeletons. Mm. And at this point, he can see um, the real humans and the spirits, Carney, all sort of together. Um, and he, he, he sees all of his, his, his dead, his deceased family, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. And um, it's, it's really lovely, this bit, the kind of visualisation of, of the, the actual Mexican beliefs of this, um, this special day of theirs and kind of their customs and beliefs. Um, and his, you know, seeing people taking the family offerings that are left at their their graves, um, and you know, enjoying it all in it like a, a ghostly fashion. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And at this point, we then Miguel looks over and we see uh, a bridge made of made of petals, and it's a massive bridge which you know lots of people are sort of walking between. Well, I say people, spirits, and skeletons and things. And then past that bridge is a huge, sprawling, bright city, isn't mm. it? And this is the city of the dead. You would say you could say like a Mex Mexican Blade Runner esque city, isn't it? It's like high rises, colour, and and you know, it's it's like a future city. Yeah, it's not a world away from you know last week's setting. Um, absolutely, mate. It's got that that sort of it's a bright and colourful Blade Runner city, <laughs> stacked to the sky. Um, yeah, and then um, there are. I don't know actually how to pronounce this one. Alabrejis, is it? The creatures that uh, guide souls to the afterlife. Alabrejis, I think. Uh, um, again, your pronunciation is a lot better than I could even attempt. <laughs> they are like, uh, they're, they're, they're creatures, like kind of that guide souls to the afterlife. And there's like dragons and little littler ones and things like that. But you see a few of them, and they're really brightly coloured, aren't they? They are. They're, they're, they're sort of very psychedelic, aren't they? And yeah, um, yeah animals, all shapes and sizes. And um, yeah, they pop up throughout this movie. But then <laughs> something I really loved is uh, the kind of airport scanning scene where uh, there's facial scanners that recognise whether 
each skeleton's photo appears at an ofrenda anywhere in the world. Um, and no ofrenda, no entry back to the living. Yeah, this was good. This is good. So there's a couple of rules like regarding how you get back to the, you know, to see your family, or I say see, to, to go back to the real world, to be around your family for a night. So uh, you've got to return before midnight. Um, so you sort of get a day. Um, and you only get to go back if your family have put a picture up or if your family remember you. So obviously That's pictures it. are an easy way to remember. So uh, I, I love that. You know, like you see some skeletons just trying to get through and then the, the airport machine will go, eh, eh, sorry, you're not remembered. And that, like it's funny, but actually quite sad, really, because, mm. you know, um, uh, as generations go on, there are some people that will be forgotten. Like, you know, it happens to everyone. It's just a sad thing. And this is where we first... Um, first have mention of Frida Kahlo um who's who's he's brought up quite a few times obviously a, a Mexican idol um uh but it, it's not Frida Kahlo it's someone pretending to be you don't need to see photos of me of course people remember me should I just go through let's not waste my time uh but it's not her is it no it's not it is our friend Hector it's Hector and he's obviously got quite a big part in this film um so we meet Hector and um at first Hector is um it comes across as like a, a bit of a scoundrel, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's a bit of a chancer, a bit of a bit of a maybe a con man, but he's yeah, he's a bit of, a bit wee, a bit were. That's it. And basically, he's desperate to get back to the the, the, the real world, yeah. you know, for one night. Um, but he, again, he's not allowed in. He's not being remembered. So <laughs> he's got to go back. So they're all in this kind of Grand Central type terminal, but for for people coming from the other side um, to to the living from the land of the dead to the living. Um, and everyone's staring at Miguel for having skin. So obviously they know he's a living boy. Um, his um, mama, Imelda, is it Imelda? Um, is, Imelda, yeah. Yeah, is kicking off because she wasn't allowed across because her photo isn't up. Um, and then some admin clerk tells uh, then tells them that the family is cursed because he stole that guitar. Yes. Um, and this is where they go to the uh, the Department of Family Reunions, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And this is like your sort of classic office. Um, so interesting thing about this office is that um, there's a few people, like there's a few like skeletons and things working at desks, and they're actually using some um, old technology. And I read that it was put into this movie because those technologies have actually, in fact, like died. So, for example, an old like Apple computer can be seen being worked on. Oh wow! I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. Like, That's good. No, it's proper subtle. But like I say, uh, it was only like I say from from reading some of the trivia that you know I I find out about it because that's the thing. This film, it's the, every part of the screen is packed with something, yeah. and it's one of those movies where you can just look at any you know anywhere on the screen and there'll be something interesting behind or in the background or doing this or doing that or moving or it's so packed full of like you know imagery. This film, yeah. And uh, so basically, we're in this like you say this this office area and in order it turns out it transpires that in order to remove the curse on the family he needs to get blessing from a family member um but imelda refuses to bless him uh, to play music because she obviously she she's very passionate about this band as well mm, she sort of puts uh, like a caveat on there doesn't she she says well bless you but you know you have to say that you will never play music again which yeah. obviously is miguel's worst nightmare so he, he can't get that blessing from his family which he needs to get back you know to yeah. the real world um if he doesn't 
uh, get this blessing before midnight, he's going to turn into a, a skeleton, isn't he? He's going to be dead. Yeah, but he accepts the conditions, first of all, then goes back to the living, but immediately steals the guitar and again, whoosh, back to the dead again. Oh, yeah, that's good. Like, bang, bang. Like he, Yeah, you're right. He couldn't do it for that long. Yeah. I love it. So, but then he said, right, all right, plan B. He then decides to stay in the land of the dead so that he can get his great-great-grandfather's blessing instead so he can continue playing music in uh, the land of the living. Uh, but obviously there's a time limit, as you say. And Dela Cruz is, is just as famous and popular in the, in the land of the dead. He's like the biggest superstar there, isn't he? Exactly. And, you know, we know it's going to be a difficult job for Miguel to get to Dela Cruz because, mm. you know, he, he, he's a really big deal. Um, at this point, um, a policeman actually finds Miguel, doesn't he? And he has to, he has, he has to sort of run off into the streets. Yeah. But we then, he kind of, uh, we, we also see uh, Hector trying to bribe an official with access to um, Dela Cruz. Um, so he's, oh, I know Dela Cruz. And uh, Miguel overhears him and asks him to help him because this is somebody that knows him. He, he's got he's got access. Um, let's let's use this fella to, to get me to uh, my great-great-grandfather. Yeah. And so they work out. They can, they can sort of help each other, don't they? Because Hector is, is, is keen to use the boy to get a picture in the real world when he's back in the real world to put a picture of him out so he can be remembered and he can come back as a spirit so they can sort of help each other yeah yeah and that's it and then hector starts supplying makeup to miguel doesn't he to make him look dead so he kind of gives him skull makeup yeah he does puts his hood up and he makes him look uh yeah like like a sort of day of the dead type character Uh, but meanwhile, Imelda calls her spirit guide, which is like a, I think it's called Pepita, um, who's like a, 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 a griffin, tiger, bison, bird <laughs> hybrid uh, thingy. Beast, absolute beast in yeah. this thing. If, if you want someone on your side, that's what you want. Um, and, yes. And uh, he, uh, that creature, he or she, is then called to kind of track Miguel, and uh, which is, is good and bad news. Yeah, so that 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 creature will sort of pop up again later. But yeah, you're right. Mm. They're basically after Miguel. They want to find him while he's you know off with Hector. Yeah, that's right. And then Hector and uh, Miguel uh, head to where apparently De La Cruz is rehearsing. Um, although Hector gets chastised himself by a, a dressmaker for not returning the Frida Kahlo dress uh, for the performance. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, and we um, we see Miguel as well. He actually sort of makes some suggestions that the, the people rehearsing, doesn't he? He says, "Oh, this could do. This could use some music," and they say, "Oh, it's a great yeah. idea." And then they you know put it into their act. That's it. And uh, at the same time, Dante's getting wound up by a spirit guide monkey. Um, (laughs) but I didn't know whether this was was this supposed to be the real Frida Kahlo at this point Um, I'm not sure I thought it was but um, because yeah I'm not sure but it it was a Frida Kahlo Um, she then goes through the opening of a performance that includes like a a giant papaya some cacti and and dancing skeletons that are also (laughs) dressed as Frida Kahlo um um and they're all part of the cactus as well <laughs> it's it's just all a bit over the top weird kind of spinal tap stuff isn't it oh mate it's absolutely like it's proper go big or go home it's massive isn't it yeah and uh part of that performance um is a dummy of ernesto de la cruz because he's too busy um to perform hosting a party to perform uh so she she kind of says Rita carlo says he's in his giant tower um busy like hosting a party mm. and this is where miguel hears that if he wins a music competition um, in the, the land of the dead, 
the the prize is to actually perform at uh, Dela Cruz's party. And so mm. obviously Miguel thinks this is my in. Um, and yeah, basically this is how he's going to get to his his you know great great granddad uh, by winning this competition. And there's, there's there's a nice bit here. I I say nice. It's it's a bit mean and funny, um, where um, there's a couple of guys calling uh, Hector uh, Chorizo. Hey Chorizo, because he what, is it like the sausage? Yeah, because he died choking on a Chorizo apparently. Right, gotcha. Amazing. Uh, It's uh, so, as you say, there's that competition. Uh, These guys tell him about it, and Hector knows someone can get a guitar for him. Uh, So they go to this like shanty town uh, place where Hector lives. It's mostly people who don't appear in Offenders and therefore aren't really remembered much, um, uh, or at least aren't celebrated, but are remembered. Uh, But people who are basically destined to be fading away anytime soon yeah and uh, one like the the frame we're introduced to it is right on the cusp of being of, of you know becoming disappeared basically being not remembered isn't it that's right and um this this character so the one that this hector's friend the one who who um you know is just about to be forgotten um is actually the link from the last movie oh is um, that right so i didn't know that he, yeah, because to be honest, I watched this film and then after I thought, hang on a minute, like where was the link? So our link last week was it was the actor was um, Edward James Olmos, um, and yes, he played this character. So he probably had about three lines in the film, you know. So mm. small part, but a part nevertheless. A touching part. <laughs> uh, he calls him yeah. Cheech. I'm not sure whether that's his name, but he calls him Cheech. Uh, but it is a touching part, and it like it, Miguel borrows and. and d- um, sorry, uh, Hector turns out he borrows a load of stuff from this guy and doesn't return it, including his femur. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Well, I can break that down. Where's my femur? <laughs> yeah. uh, so therefore, he's reluctant to lend him the guitar. Um, and the, this guy, Cheech, can't play the, the strings anymore because he's fading. So Hector plays him his favourite song about uh, Juanita. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and he basically dies as he's sort of playing it, doesn't he? Or he gets forgotten. Yeah, but before that, there's there's one of the the funniest parts in the film where there's a line he tweaks because he, he's saying um, her knuckles drag on the floor instead of uh, her tits drag on the floor. Because it because he goes <laughs> he goes that's not the line he goes there's a child person. Oh mate, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, because he's just about to say the line and then he looks at um, he looks at Miguel and goes her knuckles drag on the floor. Um, <laughs> goes, that's not the line. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, and that's like a classic Pixar thing, isn't it? They're like the you know a, a child will watch this, love the colours, the characters, the, the way they jump around on screen, and adults will love you know some of the jokes that kids would just never get. They're really yeah. subtle. And like I say, that one bypassed me completely. <laughs> and it's also very much like Pixar to mix that humour with then quite a sad death scene. This guy, this guy has been forgotten and, and just fades away for the, the the final death. Yeah, and that's it. And, and, and so we know why Hector is so desperate to be remembered in the real world, to get a picture out there or whatever, because this is going to happen to him in not too long. He's going to be forgotten too. Yeah, so that kind of puts the pressure on. That kind of makes you realise this is the potential what could happen to Hector. Um, mm. So then they kind of go off on a on a sky train type tram thing to uh, Plaza de la Cruz, uh, where it's like festive, uh, festivities ahoy, isn't it? Like there's talent show is beginning. It's like Britain's Got Talent. Everyone is playing Remember Me, so um, <laughs> he's told not to use that one. Um, so he chooses Poco Loco. Poco Loco. Yeah. Well, so not one of his bangers, I've got to say. Uh, it's not the most popular. <laughs> 
Um, so that's what Miguel chooses to go up on stage with, with and it, it, he gets a bit of stage fright, um, but then he, he blasts it out, um, uh, blasts out the banger with a lot of confidence and gets the crowd going. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, it starts off slow, but um, yeah, like I say, everyone's absolutely loving Miguel, isn't he? But once, once he gets into it. Um, one thing I noticed as well, so just before Miguel like, kicks off his performance, some, you get like a small shot of someone else performing and the guy performing, or the skeleton I should say, has the same t-shirt on that Sid, who's <laughs> the next door neighbour of Andy, had in the Toy Story film. The, the black one with the skull on it, was it? Yeah, the black one with the skull. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Like, maybe poor old Sid's, like, good, dead. <laughs> good spot, mate. Sid is dead and living in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> also, about half an hour before this, I completely forgot to mention it, but I noticed um, at, at, at one point uh, when Miguel was in his village, um, another little Toy Story reference, a Pizza Planet van uh, drives yeah. past the house, doesn't uh, it? I and, spotted um, that one, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's quite common through Pixar films. They love to put a Pizza Planet, you know, reference in there to, you know, hark back to their earlier stuff. That's it. Yeah, good spot, mate. I didn't notice the uh, Sid T-shirt. So in, in the land of skulls, it was good that you spotted that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. It could have been, I couldn't see the wood through the trees. No. <laughs> uh, but then his family uh, turn up, um, knowing he's close, he's been tracked, uh, but they don't spot him on stage, even though he's quite obviously strumming away and singing. Um, but Miguel spots them in the crowd and, and legs it again. Yeah, that's it. So he runs off um, and basically um, Amelda starts singing at this point, doesn't she? Well, yeah, first um, Hector and Miguel kind of have a disagreement and split up and Miguel then gets spotted um, as the living boy and because everyone knows they're looking for a living boy, but he keeps running and Amelda catches him um, and he shouts at Amelda like the, the, the only thing he loves is, is music and they're trying to take it away from him. And then she starts singing and he's like, what? That's it. And so you, you sort of get the impression now that Amelda isn't as against like music as, you know, she makes out. Yeah. It was just that when Coco was born, uh, she mattered more than music and her husband didn't necessarily agree and went off to play to the world. Yeah. Because she, like, she loved music, basically. It was just because of this horrible um, event in her life that sort of turned her against it. So it. this is the first time that her, like, her frosty like reactions like music is like starting to fall and you know the tide's sort of turning a little bit yeah but also you realize there's 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 you know reason to her to her sadness and madness um so she's not just saying you know having a hissy fit that music is banned because of this it's <laughs> actually it ruined her life um she was left alone because of it so um it's like the sort of shades of gray is never it's never black and white in these uh, pixar movies um yeah that's it so it gives some meaning to, to what she's feeling yeah um and this is where then miguel um is trying to get into the dela cruz party isn't he and he actually he, he gets him uh in a, a trombone of a band the band that won the competition <laughs> yeah. doesn't he? yeah so they're the winners they're, they won the um the, the competition so they get passes in and he goes oh please let me in and you know it ends up hiding in the instrument like you say um yeah and how good does this party look inside it's like it's got that really cool pool with it's shaped like a guitar like if i want a, like a gazillion pound like i think i'd have that in my mansion yeah. uh, a guitar shaped pool that is so it's cool incredible, yeah. and um it's absolutely packed full of skeletons and everyone's having the best time basically it looks like dela cruz puts on a great bash <laughs> <laughs> does. and there's no way of getting his attention except for maybe playing a bit of music for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Miguel basically jumps on the balcony, doesn't he, and starts sort of like playing some music. 
And um, yeah, that gets his attention for sure. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's going all well until he falls in the pool. Um, luckily, the pool isn't six meters deep, so he manages uh, to get back up again. Um, and but all his. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't climb up the de- a dead dog. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. uh But it, all his makeup runs off, and everyone realises he is he is the the living boy. Um, and Ernesto Della Cruz is buzzing, isn't he? He's yeah. like, oh my god! Like he's like, but hey, have a great grandson. He's loving it. Yeah, exactly. He's very proud. Um, and they kind of spend some time together at this point, which makes them both very happy. Yeah. So, like I say, it, it, it's almost at this point you think, oh, mission accomplished. Like yeah. he's found. His, his great-granddad, his great-granddad's buzzing to see him. Like, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, and, and he kind of gives a bit of an explanation that uh, the reason he left, the world is our family, no regrets in choosing music over family. Um, and, he, yeah, he makes Miguel guest of honour, um, but Miguel needs to go home um, for, yeah. for for the reasons we've, we've spoken about. He needs to save Hector and he needs to go back and play music. And he says, oh, sorry to see you go, Um <laughs> I hope you die very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like he's being nice, but it's like a, a weird, you know, thing to say. Yeah. And at this point, we see Miguel's hands um, get turning more and more into a skeleton. So it's yeah. like hammering home that he needs to get this done quick. He needs his blessing. That's it. But Hector turns up as as Frida Kahlo again at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it turns out Dela Cruz stole all of Hector's songs. Yeah. So massive twist. You know, Dela Cruz. He up until this point, he's seen as this like massive hero, like he's like you know the best guy, the best musician and actor, and he couldn't do anything wrong. But actually, Hector is the one who who wrote these songs, and we get like a flashback, don't we, of of their relationship? Yeah, and it turns out he didn't die uh, choking on a chorizo; he was poisoned by by Hector. Uh, uh, sorry, by um, De La Cruz. Um, so twist. Yeah, I didn't remember this twist. Did you? No, I didn't. Um, it, well, it's the sort of thing that when I saw it again, I thought, oh, yeah. But no, if, if someone had asked me the plot before, I, I wouldn't have remembered this. I, I, um, I, rem- and- I remembered that he was not his grandfather, but I didn't remember that uh, Dela Cruz actually killed Hector. Mm. And absolutely brutal. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Dela Cruz actually poisons that guy. Yeah. Kills him. Like, it's, that is brutal. Like, if you just boil it down to the, the you know, what actually happened, you think, oh my God, this is like a Pixar film. It's yeah. like been killed in it. It's um, quite brutal. It's a murderer in a Pixar film. Yeah. Um, but he's, then he's actually a bastard, this Dela Cruz. Yeah, like, he is. He, 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 uh, the more you learn about him, you know, as the film goes on, he's a really horrible character, really. Uh, then there's a little fight, um, but the security chuck out Hector. Uh, Dela Cruz is now kind of reluctant to let him retur- uh, let Miguel return because he'll ruin his reputation by saying actually he's not a great guy. He, he killed this bloke and stole his songs. Um, so Miguel is then thrown in a cave as well. Yeah, um, and it's one of those like almost like big sinkhole sort of ones, isn't it? You know, where mm. you've got like the water at the bottom, and they both get thrown down there. And as they're down there, um, Hector is um is being forgotten, like in front of our eyes. Like he's starting to fade away, isn't he? He's got like hardly any time left. Yeah, he's getting really wobbly and uh, and kind of fading. Um, yeah. and that's because Coco is forgetting him. She's her dementia yeah. is obviously progressing, and and uh, he's getting forgotten. Yeah, that's it. And so, because uh, I think at this point it, it flicks to a shot of her. So, it, it, you know what I mean? It just tells us, doesn't it? That it tells us that you know her dementia, like you say, is getting worse. She's forgetting him, and that's why in the in the the land of the dead, 
you know, he's fading and fading and fading and fading because, you know, she she's not going to remember much more about and, him for, for much longer. And that's the reveal. Um, my Coco. And uh, Miguel's like, Coco, well, that's my mama Coco. Oh, my God, you're my grandfather, not Dela Cruz. Yeah. So, uh, thankfully, his grandfather isn't this horrible, um, you know, musician, guitarist guy who stole all his music. He's actually the, the, the Hector, the good guy, the one who wrote all the songs, was poisoned, who wanted to get back to his family, who, you know, chose music for a point, you know, up to a point, but then he wanted to go back, didn't he, you know? Yeah, that's it. It's it's, it's very well done, mate. It's very well done. Um, but then Imelda turns up on a tiger spirit thing, griffin thing, yeah. and, uh, and and saves them, and Dante the dog at this point turns into a spirit guide, which I liked. Oh, yeah, um, he's awesome. And Miguel is reunited with his family, um, and uh, then Hector gets a bit of a ball bashing by Amelda for for his failings in the past. Obviously, they met up for the first time in a while. Yeah, and she she doesn't like forgive him, but she she I think she like uh, sort of understands like maybe why he didn't come back. Oh well, obviously he died, but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. she, I think she starts to understand them his motive. That's it. Miguel kind of has his back and reveals that he was murdered. He didn't ch- choke on a sausage or go playing music around the world. Yeah. Um, but he's running out of time, uh, so it's now more crucial than ever that he kind of gets this blessing and and goes home. Uh, but they need that photograph, don't they? They do indeed, yes. They need that photograph. And this is where they go to the, the Dela Cruz concert, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's like giant eyebrows and, and all, all this stuff. It's over-the-top performance. <laughs> um, but the, the family find um, uh, Dela Cruz and, and chase him backstage, don't they? They do. And we get another shoe bashing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think Amelda gets a shoe out. Of <laughs> but they, uh, from this uh, little fight, they retrieve uh, Hector's photo. Um, but uh, in all the kerfuffle, Imelda ends up on stage instead of uh, Dela Cruz, and she sings. And uh, Miguel and Hector kind of join her, but security attempt to remove her in a weird kind of dance thing, isn't it? This bit, I really like this bit because, like, she's singing and she's moving around the stage. Um, it looks, to all intents and purposes, like she's performing, but actually, she's walking away from the security yeah. and they're sort of trying to catch her. It's quite good. And then uh, Dela Cruz kind of joins to try and get the photo back, or also playing along and singing and dancing and all that lot. But nevertheless, Imelda escapes with it. Yeah, so she gets away with it. Um, sorry, mate, I'm just going to get back to my. Well, then, uh, then Miguel gets the blessing. Um, but with no conditions this time. Uh, but Ernesto grabs him before he can return. Um, and uh, while he's basically abusing this kid, it is, uh, <laughs> this whole thing is being transmitted to the crowd. Um, and he's kind of confessing to stuff and not knowing they're all hearing it. And he, and he basically throws Miguel off the tower. And uh, obviously this turns all his fans against him. Um, but Dante tries to save him, but he's not strong enough. <laughs> his wings are shit. <laughs> uh, but the big tiger thing saves him. Um, but Miguel loses the photos, um, which is bad news. And basically Dela Cruz at this point then goes back on stage and his worst nightmares happen because they've seen this this uh, on the camera, all the crowd. Everyone starts booing him, don't they? And um, yeah, Turned basically, you know, he's, yeah. And that's sort of exactly what he didn't want. Like, you know, he's, he's all about being a performer and being well-liked and respected and he's lost all that. And then call back to earlier, the big tiger thing, spirit guide comes and grabs him, uh, has a little play with him and then whacks him into a giant bell. Oh yeah, amazing. So, you know, for the second time in his, his life or afterlife, a bell has, um, yeah, you know, come to his, 
but all maybe <laughs> all maybe for now because Hector then starts fading more. Um, he's he's really out of time now. Yeah, um, and this is where basically as Hector's dying, bang, we go back to the real world, don't we? That's it. Back back to the land of the living. Miguel runs to Mama Coco immediately to remind her of her papa. Um, he's you know trying to talk to her about it. She doesn't remember, but then he starts singing "Remember Me." Do and this is where the family burst in. Yeah. Um. And they're, they're sort of not happy. They're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And he's got to try and say, "No, no, no. The reason I'm doing this is I need her to remember." Like it, it's yeah. one of those things. Put yourself in the grandma's shoes. She must be like, "What are you doing?" Like yeah. to like our poor old <laughs> granny. Like, Absolute old, old granny. dicks. Yeah, that's it. But we know why he's doing this. Why mm. he's like playing this song to it. You know, his great great grandma. And then uh, turns out she has a photo of him in her drawer. Uh, the missing yeah. piece from the the photograph. So that bit that yeah. had been torn out and discarded wasn't such. It was in Coco's drawer all along. Yeah, and she she'd kept all his letters and poems and things, hadn't she? Yeah, and this bit is just that whole the the, the look on her face. That kind of if anyone's been around anyone with dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like that, and and seen kind of a bit of recognition at a point. Uh, where you you've kind of given up hope of anyone uh, ha- having them remember anything, uh, that kind of comes across really well at this point, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it is really really sweet, and um, she she's an awesome character, Mama Coco. She doesn't really say anything in the film, but mm. just the subtle little facial expressions and things, you can sort of tell what's going on in her mind. Like yeah. even if it is a mind which is like dwindling almost, you you can just see from just her small expressions like what she's thinking and her remembering and stuff it's very um very cute and emotional and to be honest i i don't really get that feeling much from films like i don't know why but just like there's some films where most people will be like oh that's so sad but i it takes it's harder for me to feel like that i don't know why same but this film does do that for me like same. a bit like i felt do you know what i mean i yeah. felt like oh my god pixar Pixar are specifically very good at it, like Up as well. The, the that famous yeah. first few minutes of Up are just heartbreaking. That um, intro, yeah, yeah, really sad. Then there's not there's not many films that manage to do that. Um, you're right, and I'm I'm quite a tough cookie to crack, uh, but this this gets me. Yeah, and me, and um, you know, although I wasn't like you know, like as I'm sure you were, like crying. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I, I haven't stopped crying since, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but like this is probably as close to uh feeling like that as like i ever really do from a film yeah. so for that it should be commended because if i'm feeling like that and you're feeling like that god some people must be yeah. pulling their eyes out of this bit because it is emotional i tell you what mate there was a moment in greenland with gerard butler that uh, that got me fucking close yeah. as well yeah i'm not gonna maybe you'll change maybe you're changing yeah, that i'm a soppy old twat <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but then uh, one year later, um, and everything's changed. The house has become a museum. Uh, Coco has now sadly passed. Uh, but we know it's not that sad because she gets to spend time with her, her family, which is weird now because she's she's grown old in the land of the living. Her parents' kind of physical form is a lot younger than her. Mm. Yeah, it's quite strange, isn't it? How there's that difference there. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that Hector didn't fade. Um, and this time he manages to visit the land of the living because his photo's up in the Ofrendo. That's it. Um, so, and, and, you know, he's got that museum in the town, you know, sort of dedicated to him and, and, and what he did. And we get a little shot of them sort of explaining what a legend mm. Hector is, etc. Um, so, so it's all good. And um, yeah, basically the family at the end are having a party uh, and Miguel is like freely singing and playing guitar and, you know, it's come full circle, like what the family like banned a year ago and didn't let him do. Now he's free to, you know, play away and love life. 
That's it. And uh, he's actually getting to perform with all the dead around him. Fireworks, the end. Before we do our summary, um, as you mentioned, it would be nice to get Ethan on the podcast at some point to give us a review. Well, yeah. I actually did. Yes, good man. <laughs> so Ethan watched it this week. Um, he, he watched it with his mum because he saw me watching it on the computer. Basically, I watch it on my computer and write notes at the same time. Um, and it's it's. I said to him, oh, you can watch it as well. So he, he was in the room behind me watching it on the TV. Um, and I had a little chat with him afterwards, uh, the next day, actually, after he'd come back from nursery. I thought I'd have a chat with him about Coco and see what he thinks. So... Uh, this is what he said. Yeah. You know we watched Coco last night? Yeah. What did you think? Really funny. Really funny? What was the funniest bit? And when the guitar got smashed. When the guitar got smashed? Oh, wowee. <laughs> what would you give out of five? Would you give it one, two, three, four, or five? One. One? That doesn't sound good, very good. If one's bad and five's great, which one? Five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars? So would you, would you say to your friends, watch Coco? Yeah. Oh, good. There you go. Oh, that is the best thing ever. He makes it five hundred dollars. <laughs> that is so funny. What was the funniest bit? And they smashed another guitar. Like... <laughs> yeah. One of the saddest bits. Oh. Um, so... I, like, what I love is that, like, you know, it's hard to like comprehend how a kid's mind like works. So, like, for some reason, that bit. He must have a he must have a destructive nature. Oh, you need to do that. Well, I suppose actually most of the films we watch, he he wouldn't be able to watch. But um, the next time we do something that you know Ethan could watch, he definitely needs to have another um, <laughs> you know another review because that is fucking brilliant. It's so funny. Like he's he's going through a little phase at the moment. He'll go, Daddy, and I'll go, Yeah, and he'll go, I love you, and I'll go, Oh, I love you too, mate, and he'll go, I'll give you five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a new thing to yeah. express yeah, how gonna, much he likes something it's not always 500 sometimes it's 20 sometimes it's 30 you know but he makes it up but that's what he reviewed Coco so I'll put that on the website actually Coco reviewed by me and George but also by Ethan $500 yeah absolutely and fair play to him getting into the whole you know film reviewing um, <laughs> yeah. you know world so early like, it's in the family mate yeah and what will we call mate in a few years you can say oh Ethan you know like this was you when you were sort of you know three or four years old like <laughs> reviewing your, a movie your first film something. review yeah <laughs> yeah brilliant mate but he's he's like I say he's hit the nail like you know $500 great score it is, it is I would say $500 is fair enough um, but do you want to <laughs> give me your summary mate um, yeah absolutely um, so with this film um, I overall I do like this film a lot I, I love like the colour, I love the concept, I love the fact that it teaches me about a different culture and a different part of the world that, you know, I, I haven't been accustomed to so far. Um, the film itself, I absolutely love the start of the film. Like I, I, I my favourite bits of the film are actually the bits in the village um, with the family. So basically, the middle of the film, I've got to be honest, it for me, it drags on a little bit. And it gets like a tiny bit like silly, like going from place to place to place, rushing around. So my review would be, I absolutely love the first sort of like 25 minutes of the movie. Absolutely love them. Like it's perfect. Then the middle chunk of the movie in the, the land of the dead, um, it's okay, but I, I get a tiny bit bored. It's a little bit like here, there and everywhere. Um, I like the the way the story, I like the twist. I like the fact that it turns out that Dela Cruz is an absolute knobhead and um, and Hector is he's the hero. Whereas you know we thought he was a scoundrel, you know, half an hour ago. And then the end of the film, like like I said a minute ago, proper hit me hard, like with the whole emotional aspect of you know Mama Coco remembering her ex husband and you know oh, sorry her father. 
Um, so I love the end. So my score would be a six and a half. Six and a half. Oh. Great. What about you, mate? What did you think then? What was your what would your review be? Well, similar to you, I think it does lose its way a bit. And uh, they're trying to fit certain things in, and you, you, it's it's tight. So bad things first. Uh, it gets a bit baggy in the middle. Um, I think it's an average Pixar film, and that's a high bar. It's an average Pixar film with some outstanding moments, and uh, most of those outstanding moments are with Coco. Um, it's it's visually vibrant and spectacular, as you would expect with Coco, uh, uh, with Pixar, but also with the fact that it's the kind of Mex- Mexican culture, which kind of lends itself to that. Um, it does tug on your heartstrings at a few a few points, excuse the pun, um, but it's 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 visually it's nothing I've seen before. But a lot of the themes are things you have seen before, and even in 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 Pixar, um, but it is handled sensitively. Uh, but like I said, it gets baggy at places. Extra points uh, specifically for how incredibly realistic yet kind of caricatured the character of Coco is. She's just my favourite point in it. I'd love to just see a kind of a shorter film based around her life, her her remembering things, and you know her struggle with dementia. I just it's it's just a it's just a really it's yeah really heartfelt. Her face is like a wonder of animation, um, but yeah just the portrayal of dementia is really well executed uh the songs are good um remember me mostly is the only one i do remember um uh but yeah i just felt it's a lot of it uh the beats are tread and, and well worn and, and it's a kind of a safe path at some points um they could have gone more extreme uh more risky um but overall i've given it a seven and a half out of ten Oh, so we weren't a million miles away. We, you know, we had a similar sort of view no. of the movie. I, fluctu- um, I fluctuated quite a bit on this one because uh, certain points I was like, oh, this has got to be like an eight and a half. And it just, every now and then I'd lose half a point. Every now and then I'd gain half a point. But overall, the feeling coming away from it, there's some really, really great moments in there. But there is that modernity. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I was bored at any point, but I was getting close to it. Yeah. Um, it felt like, they um they made the middle like very much for the kids like silly running around and sort of uh, do you know what I mean they they put yeah. on screen what the kids would want to see um and I, I I'm sort of glad you sort of thought that as well um just a quick question actually just uh, it just came to me what is like your favourite Pixar film or one of your favourites or have you got a couple of ones you like you know you really like I just wondered what ones you go to which your faves. That's a tough question. Although I can't go too far from the Toy Story, I, I'm not going to choose a Toy Story film. I'm going to say that all of the toy, first three Toy Stories. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I liked Inside Out. Right. I liked I liked Inside Out. I, I, I like all of them. I don't, don't particularly like the Cars ones, actually. To be fair, um, but I like most Pixar films. There's not many I don't like, um, but there are some outstanding ones. I, I really like Monsters Inc. Um, but I think I can't go far. Like Toy Story was just the ones when I was younger. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, the two that stick out for me the most. Um, I really like Ratatouille. Oh yeah, Ratatouille. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. that's a good one. But I have to agree. I, I, my favorite by a country mile, and I like all of them really. Is um, is the first Toy Story? I just think it's like perfect. I yeah. really do. Uh, that film is just amazing. That bit where he clicks that that rocket at the end and it and it flies off and then he mm. says you're falling and he says no he says you're flying and he says no this isn't flying this is falling, <laughs> falling with, with style. style that is the <laughs> best thing ever um so yeah i love toy story but that's the thing with pixar film it's not a bad one at all so yeah, fair play. Mm. well mate 
I've got a little game for you. Nice. What you got tonight then, Dan? What's going on? Well, I've gone a bit obscure on this one, so um, <laughs> it's got not much to do with the film, but cocoa sounds a little bit like a chocolatey drink you might have. Cocoa. A cup of cocoa. Um Indeed. So we're going to play a little game, and I couldn't decide what to call it, either Tasty Titles or Who Wants to Be Millionaire Shortbread. I couldn't decide. Uh, so so one of them. Um, but basically, <laughs> I love it. Basically, I'm going to give you the year, genre, and lead actor of a film, yeah. and the title of that film will have a food or drink in there somewhere. It's not the whole of the title necessarily, but it's in there somewhere, and you just need to guess what film that is. Like it, like it. So you'll give me the year, the maybe the type, yeah. the the uh, the genre, sorry, and the the actress or actor, and then I'll guess the the food based title of the movie. Exactly. Love it. Right. I'm already hungry. First one. So it's an animation of Mel Gibson from the year two thousand. Oh, I think I know this one. So I think food i like as well and actually a film i don't mind either i think this is a christmas family favorite i think it's chicken run it is indeed yeah well done yeah i, I quite like that <laughs> film actually it's classic yeah uh this one's a little bit older uh it's a drama starring henry fonda from 1940 oh so this is a drama from and the actor's henry fonda mm-hmm. from 1940 mm. i'll give you a clue it's a fruit oh um um is it bendy fruit <laughs> no it's not it's more of a you get them in groups or oh is it grapes it is right. so uh, i'm going to tell you why i think i know this in a bit but i'm not going to tell you right now is the film the grapes of wrath it is indeed okay so what we'll do is i'll tell you why I, th- I think i knew that one because to be honest when you said the name of the actor i didn't have a clue when you said the year i didn't have a clue but anyway carry on dan carry on so grapes of wrath okay indeed so next one live action animation starring michael jordan from 1996 (laughs) so um i was thinking is that a food oh yeah of course it is so this will be space jam jam indeed yeah great (laughs) love it so we've had grapes we've had jam and we had um chicken yeah next one it's a romance starring johnny depp from the year 2000 Oh, um, uh, a romance from Johnny Johnny Depp, two thousand. So, um, I think both, ring a bell this both Cass and Shah love this food stuff. Oh, um, I think I know what it might be. I didn't know Johnny Depp was in it. I've never seen this film. Is it? Is, I think it's pronounced Chocolat. It is indeed. Good shout, mate. <laughs> right. Nice. Cheers, mate. Uh, next one is a comedy starring Seth Rogen from two thousand and eight. Oh, I think this one will be the Pineapple Express. Yes, mate. Smashing it. Come on. <laughs> now, next one. A drama starring Tobey Maguire from 1999. Oh, um, is this one Seabiscuit? Oh, no. That's good. Oh. No, Seabiscuit was probably a good 15 years after that. <laughs> but... Oh, um, so Tobey Maguire, 99. Mm. Mm. Nah, I'll give you a clue. It's an, alco- it's an alcoholic beverage. An alcoholic beverage. Um, is it? Uh, I'm just trying to think of a film that has an alcoholic beverage in the title. Toby Maguire, 1999. Um, uh, a film called Tequila. No, you could have, yeah, Tequila Sunrise or something like that. A bit older. Um, no, uh, the Cider House Rules. Oh, I've heard of it. Um, I don't 
know anything about mm. it, but cider house rules. There's cider, like it. No worries, mate. You'll get the next one. This is a comedy starring Jason Biggs from 1999 also. Ah, so um, this will be a nice big fat slice of American pie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So next one, I'm just checking something because I think they've got this wrong on here. Oh, you think they made a little bit of a error? Yeah. Yeah, they did. So I'm going to re- only read because basically this one has been remade. Um, so... This is a children's film starring Johnny Depp, which is the remake from 2005. You, I mean, you, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of this one might be then. So, um, to be honest, I always get this, like the name of this one slightly mixed up. I'll, I'll give it I, to you either way. It, uh, basically, I think it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, so Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the correct answer because that's the name of the 2005 film and the original yep. book. But the 1971 film was called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and mm. they have put that down as an alternative on here. They've put Gene Wilder's 1971, but that is incorrect, I think you'll find. Yeah, absolutely good chocolate knowledge there, mate. Um, just a note, I really didn't like that. Um, convertible Hated it, yeah. It was like M- Michael yeah. Jackson, Willy Wonka, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just... I, I only saw it once at the cinema. I was quite looking forward to it, and... Um, yeah, just completely out. I just hated it. Really terrible. Like it, terrible. Mm. Next one is an animation, and the main voice is Patton Oswald, and it's from 2007. Oh, so I think this one is going to be one I like, Ratatouille. Correct. I'll try to keep that still <laughs> when you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> right, so next one. This one, for me, is a bit borderline, but I'll see what you think. It's a musical starring Olivia Newton-John, 1978. <laughs> so, with this would be the food stuff that you use to sort of make other food, so <laughs> yeah. I think it might be grease. <laughs> it is, it's grease. I wouldn't eat grease on it. Well, well whatever, yeah. I suppose butter's a grease. Oh, you, you need it, you you need it to fry um, <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> chicken. <laughs> well, you might fry the next thing, which is a comedy film from Woody Allen, starring Woody Allen from 1971. Oh, um, hmm. that might be off putting because it's not something you would immediately fry. I fried them before, but it doesn't necessarily mean you would think of frying them. Oh, <clears> um, <throat> don't ring a bell straight away. I don't really know many Woody Allen films. I've got to say, um, I didn't know this was a Woody Allen film either, so it is quite obscure unless you're older than us. Okay, um, have you got a clue, Dan? Or maybe a clue about the movie All the Food? Yeah, they might be yellow bendy things that you mentioned earlier. Oh, so this will be the movie, I think it's called Bananas. It is, yeah. <laughs> Next one. Again, this is a borderline. A sci-fi starring Kevin Costner from 1995. Sci-fi? Uh, I suppose it is. I think it's Waterworld. It is, yeah. Water that... <laughs> Favorite wash it all down with. <laughs> yeah. Um, next one, it's an animation with Bill Hader from 2009. Oh, um, hmm. this one I know the name, but I can't think who that is. Bill Hader. This one is out and out food. There's no doubting this isn't water or grease, this is proper food. And uh, Bill Hader is. Again, because I think if I get that, I'll um. He's in like I'll get them. he's in like bad and he's like a Saturday Night Live guy. He was in It Chapter Two. He was one of the grown up boys. Um, he's one of the cops in Superbad. 
Yeah, I know him. Not the Seth Rogen guy, but the other one. Yeah. I, that's why I know him. I think he's a writer on South Park as well. Yeah, he's a um, comedy writer, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, what's he been in, that guy? I'm not sure whether you would have seen this, to be honest. It's a kid's film from 2009, so I'm not um, sure. It has... Oh, oh go. Um, is it, what's it called? Uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. It is. Well done, mate. Well worked out. <laughs> Cheers! Like I just see that that uh, you got the the front cover with the big sort of word, and then yeah. you've got a blue sky with like uh, uh, clouds on. I've got to say, it's quite good. Um, is it? Yes. Yeah, I watched it with my nephew when it first came out. It's, it actually is quite funny. Uh, next one: science fiction horror starring Malcolm McDowell from 1971. Oh, this is one of my all-time favorite films. So this will be a Clockwork Orange. Boom! Got it, mate. Boom. Uh, next one uh, biography so it's a biographical film with Sean Penn hmm. from 2008 ah um, I know this one this is the one where he plays the gay um, this is uh, Milk yes well played mate and final one and you'll get this it's a British gangsters film with Daniel Craig from 2004 oh so this is a nice big um, layered cake <laughs> yes mate layer cake it is <laughs> layer cake bosh well done mate no mate that made me fucking hungry <laughs> <laughs> well mate love that game fucking brilliant and it was a great idea to to use the you know the name Coco and, and foodstuffs and things so do you know what I said earlier I said there was two there that um, there was two there that usually I wouldn't have got which was bananas and the grapes of wrath and the reason I got them is because um, I actually came up with the same game as you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, so what I did is I was researching, I was researching a food film, and um, they're, they're two films that came up: the, the Grapes of Wrath and um, and uh, uh, Bananas. And uh, so the funny thing is, like some of the ones you said, um, uh, I did, but it's also some of the ones you you, you didn't say. So actually. I'll carry on the quiz. But what I'll do is I'll put it back on you, Dad. I've got about three or four. Um, I did a slightly different format. What I did is I literally took the synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. I took out any revealing words or, or names, really. And I was just going to read it to you. And then I was going to sort of like say the actor as well and see if you can get it. So I've Love got it. a couple for you, mate. Same sort of vibe, all right? Love it. Um, so the first one then, uh, I'll read you, is... Uh, a CIA agent, XXX, can't say the name, uh, takes an ugly turn when she is accused of planning the assassination of the Russian president. However, she flees and sets out to prove her innocence. Does it ring a bell so far? Yeah, well, I think this this is on the similar lines to Greece. Uh, this is salt. <laughs> this is salt. <laughs> Correct. Well done, mate. Um, the next one, then, is um, XXX is a lazy security guard and they are sent to the United States to bring a valued painting to a museum in Los Angeles. The mishaps in his journey lead to comical adventures. Um, It's 1997 and it's a comedy slash slapstick film. Sorry, so this is a security guard, a lazy security guard. Yeah. Um, It's sent to the United States to bring back a valued painting. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Mr. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Bean the movie? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, which is a personal favourite of mine. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, 
Next one, mate, is um, I haven't actually seen this film, uh, but it's quite a famous movie. Um, so XXX works as a bartender in Jamaica where he meets his mentor who challenges him to pursue a wealthy girl. Complications arise when his girlfriend sees them together and decides to leave him. And it's a 1988 romance drama. It's Cocktail. Cocktail. Well done. <laughs> Way to wash all that salt and grease down. Um, <laughs> The next, I've got, I've got one more that you hadn't done. <laughs> so, right then. So the last one is um, two lovers stumble across a small American town where local children have killed the adult population in a bizarre ritual. Nineteen eighty-four horror thriller. I was thinking Village of the Damned. You are not far, mate. Um, so. There was one word in there, which is a good clue. So two lovers stumble across a small American town where local children... Children of the damned. Nearly. Oh, children of the it's corn. Corn, there yes. you go. Yes. You've got to eat your corn. <laughs> yes. But, well done, mate. But how funny is that? We did the same game. <laughs> but, um, it's funny when you said this week, I've done a quiz, which isn't quite connected to the movie, but, you know, blah, 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 like cocoa, food. And I was like... I. So same wavelength, mate. Yeah, there we go. Well, it just shows you there wasn't much to do a quiz about. I was thinking of, you know, well, Pixar film. Yeah, it was just a, it was a easy one. And uh, we obviously both great minds, mate. Great minds. That's it, mate. That's it. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that, Dan. And um, yeah, good quiz. Like I say, combined, it was a mega food quiz. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so as is customary, there's just one more thing to do at the end, isn't there, Dan? There certainly is. And so we're going to find out what movie you have picked for us to go to next. Yes, mate. Where do you think I've gone? Now, obviously, there's quite a lot of um, South American voices in Coco. Um, but there was more option, there's more options than I thought there would be. Because obviously, Edward James almost um, is the one man who brought us here. He's the connection from Blade Runner. Uh, so he's out there question. Uh, but who do you think I would have gone for and what film? Um, so off the top of my head, there's only one person who stood out as someone I sort of know, and he's in um, a film or two, which I do like. So as a guest, is it Benjamin Bratt? <laughs> yes, mate. Straight Boom. up. Got it. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you would have gone this. I don't know if it is on stream services, but um, <laughs> have you picked Demolition Man? Yes, I have. <laughs> <We're here! laughs> I, I literally love Demolition Man. It's fucking you can find one credit for breach of the verbal morality code. Like, I fucking love this film, man. It's so I, good. I knew you loved it. And I, I was literally last second changed my mind because uh, originally I went for The River Wild. Have you ever seen that? That is another banger, to be fair. Like, yeah. I haven't seen that film in a long time. Is that on streaming service? It is, yeah. Wild? That's on oh. Amazon That's on Amazon Prime. So's uh, Demolition Man. And in fact, Demolition Man's on Amazon Prime and Netflix. So take your pick. Um, wow. but yeah the river wild is a film that i used to watch all the time because it was on tv all the time um and i loved yeah. it and uh he, yeah i think he plays like a sheriff or something in it uh, but yeah i ended up popping for demolition man um which oh, that must have been a hard choice mate between them two he's been in some really good films he's in traffic he's in miss congeniality i was tempted to go miss congeniality because um it, it'll be our valentine's uh episode um but i thought Nah, fuck it. Let's, let's watch Demolition Man. There's a bit of romance in there. There's a bit of Sandra Bullock in there. <laughs> the helmets where um she's like, oh no, we don't have like physical like, contact anymore. We put these helmets on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, that bit where he goes, don't you do the old 
punk or chunker anymore, the old mamba, all this stuff. I don't know. I think we're in danger um, of reviewing it now before uh, we I actually know, watch it. I but, know. but the good thing is, I haven't seen it in maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Do you know oh, what I mean? It's, it's been, quite a long time. It's been um, longer for me, mate. I think it's probably about 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, great choice. I mean, the River Wild, again, would have been a great choice as well. So that was hard to pick between them two. But, Oh, yeah. I'm tempted to watch the River Wild anyway because I really fancy watching it after I saw it, it was on Prime so I, I might watch that anyway um, yeah. but, but Demolition Man is our connected film so we'll, we'll speak about that next week uh, thank you everybody for listening um, as we said at the start of the show uh, check out our new website which is the um, it's infinitefilmclub.com um, so check out all our uh, history of films uh, send us a message or a review of any film or where you think we should be going after demolition man and we'll be sure to get back to you or give you a call out on the on the podcast boom absolutely well thanks for tonight dan i've had a blast and um yeah i look forward to next week mate looking forward to it mate see you then see you later mate Take care. cheers buddy bye, bye.